0: Sex Communication, a podcast that explores how we communicate during sex and about sex, with explicit recordings and uninhibited conversation. My name is Brienne McGuire, founder of Graphic Paint and host of This Uncensored Adventure. Join me each week as I share crowdsourced audio files and interview a wide range of people about their private activities. The mission of this series is to change attitudes towards sex simply by changing the way it's communicated one episode at a time. Sexy, sexy, sex stuff, sex. Welcome to episode 11, and happy International Women's Day. To celebrate, here's an interview with a woman I admire, Britain's Girl on the Net, a self-described sex blogger, author, and pervert. I found Girl on the Net from a Google search looking for audio porn, and after reading her backstory and exploring her website, I knew I had to reach out to her. While we are exploring audio porn in different ways, she is reading explicit blog posts about sexual experiences, and I am sharing audio of sex, we have a lot in common. As two ladies who share a love of sex and a desire to put our experiences out on the web, we discussed all aspects of working in this space and what it's like being female and highly sexual. In addition to the written and recorded posts on her website, Girl on the Net has also written several books chronicling a lifetime of kinky encounters. Check out the show notes for links to all of her work. All right, then. Here we go. Hello. Well, nice to to hear the sound of your voice well, finally.
1: (laughs) Yeah, you too. too. Great. I'm so sorry about last week. Thank you so much for for rescheduling.
0: No problem. I'm glad we could both find the time to to do that. So thank you again for uh, making the time to do this interview. I really appreciate
1: it. No problem. No problem. Can you, am I okay volume wise or do you need me to turn up or down?
0: You sound perfect to me. Am I okay for you?
1: Yeah.
0: You're great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so I've hit the recorder, so we're going, okay. um, all right, great. So, um, I, I wanted to first just to, um, kind of, well, your girl on the net, <laughs> huh. <laughs> there's going to be an episode introduction, but you know, I just want to, um, kind of go into it a little bit with some context. So, um, there's, I, I told you when I reached out that, um, on your website the origin story that you have that I identified very strongly with it and there was a particular uh paragraph I just wanted to read that you wrote that said I'd like to add a teeny tiny extra voice to the horde of women screaming we actually like this women have come pretty far in terms of sexual sexual liberation but it still seems far more acceptable for guys to moan about how little head they're getting than for girls to wish they had a dick to suck um I wanted to, like, raise my fist and and applaud you for that. Um, Oh, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I have a a lot of male friends, and and I find – well, I mean, even with women, I've just spent so much time talking openly about sex and experiences and this, that, and it just seems like no matter the context or group of people or type of person around, it's still kind of like, why are you talking about this?
1: Yeah, I I think it's one of the few things actually that has stayed the same on my site ever since I launched. Like that bit was in my about page when I started and I've kept it there because I think it's still true. Like even though I've been doing this for nearly eight years, there's still a real um, sort of undercurrent of belief that somehow sex is something that men want and women grudgingly give to them. Or, you know, sex is something that we Um, I will just never be as enthusiastic about as guys Um, and obviously my experience I'm I'm straight and so most of my experience has been with guys Um, I just find it really odd and I think it's a really damaging assumption because Mm -hmm. for every woman like me that's going I actually really like (laughs) this and I wish I could talk about it there are also like young men being brought up to believe that Because women will never really like sex in the same way as them, then maybe they don't need to try as hard when it comes to establishing consent or fulfilling someone else's fantasies or, you know, being a kind of open and giving lover because women will never really like it in the same way. So, yeah, I think it's really important we keep banging that drum.
0: I agree. And um, I, I found conversely, too, that growing up with this idea, a lot of men feel the pressure to to be more interested in sex than perhaps they, they might be, you know, that there's this expectation that they're sex hungry all of the time. And and I've come into contact with quite a few that are just like, you know, that's not really the case, but you know, yeah. yeah. And it's, yeah, it's
1: incredibly difficult. I think, I mean, I, I know men who've been in that position where they've been in a partnership and their partner wants sex more than them. And so they sort of internalize this idea that there's something wrong with them. They're broken or, you know, they're, They're not their brain and their libido isn't working in the right way because they're not just constantly obsessed with sex, Um, which is is bizarre when you just think about the sheer variety of desire across the whole of the human race. Like we all (laughs) like things to different degrees and even, you know, at different points in our lifetime, you can be incredibly sexual at certain stages in your life. And then other stages, whether it's through, you know, you're ill or you're um, just busy or you just don't fancy it. There are loads of reasons why your desire can kind of fluctuate. And, yeah, it's it's completely bizarre to just split it on gender lines when that's clearly not the, the main driving factor.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so another thing, um, so on your Twitter, I see you describe yourself as sex blogger, author, and pervert. So I've, I found you because I was searching um, audio porn. Um, and so you have a site where you are reading uh, what are posts from your blog that um, I was, at first, I assumed it was like erotica, you know, but most just entirely fiction. And then I realized they were like, Mostly true accounts and and some fiction here and there, but is yeah uh, the reading of that is that that what falls under the pervert or the per like what what is included in the pervert <laughs> label yeah. that you've given yourself?
1: Well, so the, the pervert thing. I'll say the story behind the pervert thing actually comes from um, a long time ago. I was um, with an ex partner of mine. I lived in Japan, um, and we went to this club in Japan that was a sort of BDSM type club it was very very small like this kind of little room and a bar in a building um, and while we were there we were talking to one of the uh, hostesses behind the bar she was asking us you know what are you are you a dom are you a sub Um, what you know what are you and we're sort of going back and forward <laughs> and my Japanese wasn't particularly brilliant um, and so I couldn't really explain to her like I'm a switch. I I basically sort of enjoy playing lots of different directions depending on who I'm playing with and the kind of mood and stuff. And so I couldn't really work out how to say what it is that I enjoy. And I realized that basically what I enjoy is just that kind of thrill of finding new and interesting things that press my buttons. And sometimes it's Dom and sometimes it's Sub and often it's just, oh, here's a really filthy story that I had. So I just turned around to her and said, hentai which just means I'm just a pervert. (laughs) So that's where Perfect it comes from. It's It's kind of, I, I know it's often used as a really negative term, but for me, it means uh, someone who is just generally um, stickily and enthusiastically excited about all the sexual possibilities and lots of different kinks and, and fetishes and stuff.
0: I feel the same way. <laughs> and it, it's funny because um, I created a profile on uh, Fet Life for the, the project because I was running into such. Um, such difficulty with people you know that i would choose to refer to as normies in this context of like you know just my regular circle of friends and people that i come into casual uh contact with just being like why why are you interested in recording sex why would you want to put this out there like you know this kind of thing so somebody had made the recommendation that i I might get more traction if i um Started using FetLife, and I have. But also in the course of joining FetLife, I've also kind of had a real um, journey of self and like realizing how perverted I am as well. I think it wasn't something I really, um, I never labeled. It just seemed, you know, very ordinary and matter of fact. And because it was ordinary and matter of fact for me, it almost was like vanilla, even though it's really not in comparison. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: But, I find it really, one of the things that I'm kind of, that I struggle with, um, particularly sort of talking about sex and kink, is the words that we use right. and the ways in which we define it. Like, I think um, often, particularly with a woman who's really into sex, the words we use about it are often either shaming or um, sort of pathologizing, So like, you know, she's a nympho or a slut or whatever. And those are the words that I would probably have used when I was younger. And I feel like, you know, I'd like for us to have more positive terms to use to just mean, you know, I'm interested in sex. It's it's a great fun thing to do. It's one of my hobbies. I like to sort of study it and overthink it and try out lots of different aspects of it. Um, and then there, I have friends who are not nearly as interested as me, and I struggle, you know, we have words like normies or vanilla or, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Right. When actually... Those are again, equally There's, there's not really a... Yeah, there's not really like a a helpful way to sort of explain it or describe it. But I mean, either way, I think it's great that we are talking about this stuff more and maybe we'll sort of come up with or reclaim some of the words in future and be able to use them in a sort of more positive way.
0: Yes, let us hope. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So how like what? Can you, do you remember the moment where you were writing these posts and then you decided that you were going to record yourself reading them? Like how, how did that, that switch happen?
1: Ah, oh, so that was actually, it was a few different things that sort of all came together at once. Um, so I have, um, initially it started, I have had a couple of readers on my site. Um, and in fact, one guy in particular, um, but a couple of readers who were visually impaired and pointed out mm. that it's really hard to listen to erotica when a screen reader reads it out. Right. Um. And one guy in particular was like, "Yeah, it's just not sexy hearing <laughs> like a really hot post read in this sort of monotonous robot voice." Um, so I was like, oh, "Okay, that's an interesting, that's something to sort of like to chew on, basically." And I considered <coughs> recording some of the the sexier posts and putting them up on a SoundCloud or something. Um, and then I read an article by uh, a UK journalist who's fantastic called Paris Lee's where she basically um, done this sort of investigation into the types of porn that were on offer for, uh, for people with visual impairments. And, you know, some of it was great and sort of fascinating, like uh, interesting ways to sort of uh, do porn for blind people. But um, some were just a bit falling short of the mark, like audio descriptions of Pornhub videos, which mm. don't really usually get across the hotness of, of what's happening. Right. So... All of that stuff sort of came together and I realised that I could probably just essentially create an audio version of my own blog. Um, so ever since then, I think it's, sort of, I think it's nearly two years ago, mm. um, but ever since then I've been, I have a Patreon um, which kind of helps me fund it because it takes quite a lot of time to, to put all the stuff together um, and so each month Patreons, i put up a bunch of um, sexier blog posts from the archives and then patrons get to vote on which ones they'd like to hear next or you know make suggestions for what they'd like to hear next um and then yeah the the aim is that i will gradually turn any of the suitably sexy posts in my archive because i have some that aren't uh (laughs) sexy you know the sort of more political or discursive posts probably won't make for great wanking (laughs) but the ones that you can actually crack one off to um i hope to eventually have all of them available as audio porn
0: That's great. So do you, I mean, before these readers had, um, reached out to you, I mean, did you, did you ever think of audio as a tool of arousal?
1: Oh yeah. So I definitely, other people's, I'd listened to other people's work. Um, and I was aware of audio porn as a thing, um, particularly, um, you know, audio porn where, because mine is just sort of, you know, sexy stories read aloud, but, um, I'd listened to, um, uh, some of the audio that's available online, you know, people masturbating and having sex right. and recording the noises. Like, I find that incredibly hot. And one of the things that I really miss in, uh, I'm going to loosely call it mainstream porn. Um, I I don't tend to watch that much porn, and I actually don't really consume that much porn because I tend to rely on what's in my head. Um, but one of the things I found really missing from mainstream porn was uh, men making noises. Mm, yeah, like the men making noises, videos, shots of men's faces when they're enjoying themselves and orgasming. I feel like there's a lot of sort of (coughs) male-focused hotness that gets cut out of a lot of mainstream porn because obviously, you know, most mainstream porn is made for uh, straight dudes. And, well, most mainstream porn I'd kind of come up against at the time made for straight dudes and sort of cut a lot of the, the men out of it. So, yeah, listening to men making noises and saying sexy things and using words as a tool when you're shagging. I find that incredibly hot.
0: I do as well. And it's funny. I I, I do watch a lot of porn and I I hate the sound of it. Generally, I always turn it down and I, I prefer foreign porn where like if there is talking, at least I can't understand what they're saying because I just find it so distracting. But um, it's distracting to me because it's just so obviously fake, even when I watch more amateur stuff, like, then I can take the sound a little bit, but there's something in general about it that's that's off-putting. But I do agree with you about how hot that is, and I I didn't, it didn't occur to me until you said so, how little um you do hear men in it, and I wonder if, like, I mean, that's what it is, like, when there is sound of pleasure and enjoyment, it's always, like, the amped up female um contribution on that end, you know, and they really downplay like whatever's going on for the men, um, that's just an interesting thing to realize. I don't know how that's managed to escape me all this time, um, but yeah, I, I follow a bunch of of tumblers that that do that, and I really enjoy um, listening to it. Especially, you know, even when there's a bunch of silences, like I really enjoy it, feeling as though you're in the room with whatever's going on. And it's such an intimate thing to be able to listen to it, you know, and it's like getting fed directly into your head. And, you know, the, all of that space is created for you to really imagine what it's looking like. It, it creates something much more arousing, I think, than, you know, just watching exactly what you would expect. Um,
1: yeah. Oh, know. yeah, absolutely. And I think I, I find, I mean, I'm always obviously careful of telling people what they should and shouldn't, uh, consume when it comes to porn and erotica because it's so personal. But um, one of the things I've spoken to my partner about <coughs> quite a lot recently is this idea that because he he watches most of the porn that he consumes will be like video porn, um, whereas for me I'm completely the opposite. It's pretty much all in my head. Um, and we were talking sort of recently about training our imaginations because when we're together we will talk a lot about the kind of fantasies that we have the things we'd like to do and often getting into quite a lot of detail and depth about you know this is what this looks like this is what this feels like here's what I'll say to you um and I find it interesting because for him he hasn't really generally had to train his imagination in that way because Mm. when he finds porn he's just watching you know he's watching visual porn he finds a lot of video porn that sort of does it for him whereas for me I find it much harder to find porn that does exactly what I need it to do in my head so I spend more time in my imagination and I think for for most people sort of exploring different kinds of porn like if they're used to more visual porn maybe giving audio porn a go um you know they they might decide it's not for them at the end of the day but doing that and exploring that and just giving your imagination like a little spark to turn it on and then letting yourself explore and imagine the rest of the scene, I think is a really valuable exercise in kind of exploring your own fantasies.
0: Yeah, I agree. And it's um, an interesting thing too with the project. I mean, the whole idea for me started with, um, with a guy that I was sleeping with and the first time that we had sex, which was only like our second date, it immediately in my opinion it escalated kind of quickly just um we were vocally role-playing a gangbang essentially you know in this kind of cuckolding fantasy of his you know and i'm sucking five guys off and but i mean this is like right off the bat the first time like five minutes into your dick being inside me like this is what we're talking about so oh wow it, <laughs> yeah and, and i was
1: that sounds amazing <laughs> it
0: was <laughs> It was. Um, yeah, he had like incredible endurance. He had a great dick. Like everything was, you know, and I'm all about dirty talk, but it's like, I was just so surprised that, that, you know, like we were both just like, okay, we're going balls to the wall with this. Like, yes, it's, it's a total free for all. So it also not only like the subject and the, the intensity of what we were describing and, and like like participating in this fantasy, but also like he was just very loud in general. Like, so um, I, oh my God, it, it kills me to this day. Like, cause I've, I actually did an interview with him recently cause I did try to get him for the sake of this <laughs> podcast you know like let's just fuck and I'll record it so that I can memorialize this because like there's something really special about how much yeah. noise you make it, it just I've never slept with anybody that made so much noise like every single second of the experience and all the dirty talk so it That's really amazing It oh, oh, it's I, great
1: I, <laughs> I think it's a really uh like I've I've slept with possibly only one guy who was like that and who was kind of able to be like that right off the bat and I was similarly just absolutely (laughs) delighted at how chatty he was how like he was just talking me through like what he was going to do to me and telling me what felt good to him and like oh it was so hot and I think like oh I would love for more like I would I think it's it's obviously it's a really difficult thing because you're putting, you know, dirty talk, you're really putting yourself out there with your own fantasies (laughs) and it can be quite a, quite a vulnerable thing. But I would love for more guys to be able to sort of tap into that and and enjoy that. Um, Like with, you know, with partners I've been with for a longer time, we've managed to build that over time as we sort of trust each other. Um, But I do wonder if part of that comes from porn as well. Like, If, um, you know, we talk a lot about the expectations um, mainstream porn can have on young women where they're expected to sort of shave or to, you know, be able to take it up the arse with almost no do whatsoever. (laughs) Um, But porn, I think, probably is also having an impact on on young guys. And if they're taught that from porn, you know, your job is to just plow away and stay silent and, you know, not make any noise, not show when you're enjoying stuff, you know, be sort of stoic then I think that's a real shame because they're being you know taught to kind of repress all that brilliant like natural noises and yeah, chat and yeah. yeah it can add so much to a fuck <laughs> I
0: agree I'm still working on him I, I think I might be able to get him to come around at some point but, but yeah oh, great. <laughs> but it was funny so the you know it was a combination of of that and then you know we do a lot of things like um he also like talking on the phone a lot but in inevitably like every phone call would would end in phone sex but there were a couple of times where we planned to talk and it was like okay we're gonna watch the same porn clip together we're pressing pressing play at the same exact time and so like talking through that which for me was just always a lot of things to manage like holding the phone watching the laptop beating off at the same time coming up with something to say like there was such pressure in it so yeah. for me like my my interest in the in the sound of sex like one, you know, there's this incredibly erotic side of it, but then I'm just equally fascinated by the more mundane and awkward and sometimes embarrassing part of it. You know, the the stumbles when, you, especially if you find somebody who's not, comfortable with dirty talk, like when you're getting to that point where you're establishing that comfort level, or like even introducing somebody to the possibility of doing that, like there are all those stumbles along the way and like random body sounds that happen. But just like, I don't know, I just was so fascinated by the kind of whole spectrum of how sex sounded with this guy that it's what prompted me to, to do this. And it's, it's funny now because I am getting people that are on board with submitting audio, but so many of them still, you know, despite whatever context I give to what I'm looking for, they just want to make it performative. They feel, um, like really shy and hesitant. Like, what if it doesn't sound sexy enough? Like, what if I'm making enough noise? I'm not good at dirty talk. You know, like it's, it's hard getting into a place where like, you're, you're, capturing the reality of it which for me is what this is and you know it goes back to what we were talking about in the beginning of like normalizing these feelings and interests you know it comes from exposure so
1: yes yeah Yeah, absolutely and I think I think you're right about that sort of people are 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 often naturally incredibly shy about it in a way they maybe wouldn't be shy about certain other things um because there there is something so personal about the noises that you make and you know having that recorded in a way the fact that you're listening to it rather than you know listening and seeing makes the listening a much more intimate thing I think yeah um I once (laughs) I once recorded um I was doing a review of a a sex toy, not really a review, but I was writing about a particular sex toy. And I wanted to record some audio of um, my partner using it on me. And he was really, really shy about the idea (laughs) of doing this. Um, Even though, you know, I write about him on my blog all the time. Like I write (laughs) about the kind of sex that we have. I write about conversations we've had. You know, I've written about some really sort of personal stuff, like when we went to relationship counselling. And yet for some reason, the idea of... um, of wanking me off with this sex toy while I recorded audio yeah. suddenly he was like oh, I'm not really sure about that <laughs> I, I suddenly even though you know it wouldn't be his noises on the tape right it was, just, it was just I think it was me reading out a sonnet while while he uh fucked me with a dildo I think <laughs> um, but um but yeah it was really interesting he obviously he wanted to do it in the end we sort of talked about it and he was like okay no I'm, I'm game for this as long as you, you don't have any of my noises on the tape." um but I, I just thought I thought it was really interesting that sort of, you know, we're, we're willing to let people um, in on some of our sexual secrets in certain ways. And then in other ways, we just go, oh, actually know, that that hits you know, that feels a lot more personal. Yeah. And I think that's why it's great to have a variety of different types of porn, you know, because audio porn is going to do for some people what no other porn can do. And that is bring that sort of intimacy and closeness while Giving them the space to, to use their imaginations for extra bits as well.
0: Yeah. So the audio that was recorded of you using this sex toy is that on your site? I'll have to look for this. Uh,
1: it is. Yeah, actually, I think if you search my site for uh, what? What's, oh, so it's the doxy number three. So doxy doxy number three is the sex toy. It's like a wand toy. Yeah. Um, and it's somewhere in that post. Yeah, there is audio of me reading. I think shall I compare thee to a summer's <laughs> day. Um, so hot. Well, we well, getting <clears throat> quite vigorously wanked off.
0: <laughs> so, so what gave you the idea to read the sonnet? Well, I thought when you said that, that you were joking, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, it's, you know, it's a weird story. It's actually, it, it actually comes from the first ever audio that I recorded um, back in like ages ago like maybe 2014 I think um I met um the the guy who runs the sex toy company Doxy yeah um and he gave me a Doxy which is it's basically like a um Hitachi magic wand but it's yeah. Doxy is a UK company who made a sort of updated version um and he gave him and I'd never used a wand toy before I'd never used a Doxy before and he was just like you know try this out and see what you think and the first time I my partner used it on me I made the weirdest noises like <laughs> I I came like for ages and really hard <clears throat> and it was unbelievable and I made the most ridiculous noises so I was like oh my god we have to record we just have to record this like I've never such noises have never come out of my face before so we recorded um the second time that he wanked me off with it and I just cut little clips of the audio of me going sort of <laughs> and i cut all the sounds and, and just put little audio clips in interspersed in the piece i'd written about the toy so then when the doxy number no. three came out which is like a, a sort of newer slightly more compact version i was like well i've got to do something to beat what i did for my first review and so i thought yeah a, a sonnet while getting wanked off that seemed to do the trick." <laughs>
0: That's hilarious. I can't wait to listen to this. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah, um, it's... My God. So, yeah, I recorded myself um, beating off, too, for this. And, and that's actually how I started. Because I was like, well, nobody's going to feel um, trusting enough <laughs> or safe enough to, to submit this sort of thing if I don't kind of demonstrate a willingness to do it, too. And I remember I had recorded myself like beating off with porn and just with toys, which... in like the latter case, I don't use porn. I rely just on the mental stuff. And I, I look at masturbating to porn as being kind of like the cheese doodles version of of orgasms. Like it's very just, you know, <laughs> like it does the job, but not in a really long term satisfying way and like in the just the cheapest, worst nutritional <laughs> value way possible. But um yeah, I I kinda held back and I, I didn't really I didn't really realize it, you know. And then a a guy friend of mine who we had slept together, I was staying over his house, and, you know, like every once in a while we would sleep over each other's apartments without having sex because he's actually in a relationship. But he's, he, wanted to to jerk off and he's like, Hey, do you want to record this? And I'm like, yes. So I recorded it. And he, um, you know, he was just using his own mind. Like I wasn't doing anything to kind of help him along. And he was verbalizing all of the things that he was fantasizing about, which when I was amazing and it was great. And I was like, wow, you know, like you were so vulnerable and I was like, I really need to, to do the same and like be willing to put that out there. I was so, um, impressed by that, so that kind of changed, you know. Like, I mean, everything's been changing along the way, but yeah, it's a, it's a very intimate thing, and it just. Have you recorded anything else with your partner? I mean, I know he said he was very concerned about the sounds that he made when he was was helping you with the toy, but did it inspire you to to do any more audio recordings?
1: He, I, I think for him, he would rather not be on the audio. <laughs> um, I, I, I mean, kind of. So, so, fair enough to be honest like I've I, we've been together for quite a long time and he you know experiences that we have had like absolutely dominate my blog the whole of my second book was pretty much about him and so when he says if he's like, no, I don't, I don't want really to do this anymore. <laughs> I'll be like, yep, yeah, fair enough. You, you know, <laughs> you've you've definitely given me your money's worth. Right. Um. Like, so I don't really do any more audio stuff with him. But we, I mean, when we're together, like, we do a lot of you know talking and and kind of verbalizing that stuff. Um. I think the example that you mentioned, where he's um talking through everything that he's thinking while he's jerking off, is such an amazing. Uh, powerful thing yeah. I think I've only ever been able to do that with my partner and I think even I like I put a lot of my fantasies out there on my blog and you know I talk a lot about the things that happen inside my head but there are some things that I think um I feel I need a layer of um protection on like I need to be able to write it down and then edit it yes because particularly with some of my more um intense wank fantasies that are about, you know, humiliation or uh non consent or, you know, things that are kind of uh absolutely fine in my head but need sort of careful treatment when I put them out into the world, I think I'd be really nervous of doing that. So I like I am I'm amazed. Like I think it's fantastic that people can do that. And I would um yeah, maybe I aspire to be able to do that one day because I think it would be a really um valuable thing to explore
0: well if you do feel free to send me some recordings <laughs> <laughs> okay
1: I might give it a go <laughs> at some point
0: <laughs> um so I I know you've mentioned your partner a bit and I I um I did get both of your books and I was trying to read the entire second book by in time for this interview which I have not made through the whole thing but I did read quite a bit in the beginning and then I skipped ahead to the end because I had so many
1: questions um oh, right. well, <laughs> no, I mean... <laughs> thanks anyway thanks for doing it. anyway I don't I never expect I always kind of try and assume no one's read my books because I don't want to be one of those people who's like well I assume you've <laughs> read all of my works
0: <laughs> let's yeah, so let's refer to each chapter and see how much you you know nobody it, yeah. it, it was really great and I, I I love your style and and you know the subject matter of course um but it was funny so I've met a lot of people on FetLife in the short time that I've been on there just to to go back for that a little bit. And so in the course of like working on this project and finding other people and uh, there's actually a gentleman also in the UK that uh, we've been Skyping a lot. Like sometimes we just have conversations. Like he's also kind of, very much into over intellectualizing sex and, and all these things. But we're also doing some like online play sessions that started strictly audio where he's, you know, attempting to dominate me over the internet, um, which wasn't working out so well. But so we've done other things that you're more humiliation based and like, and I was having the same thing where I was finding a lot of resistance to, okay, I'm doing this with him in this context, but I don't know that, you know, I can go ahead and put this recording out and I'd have to kind of write through it first But um, in the course of doing this with him, you know, I was I was saying it was, you know, it's kind of lucky that right now that I'm starting this project, like I happen to be single at this time. So all these people that I'm engaging with online and in real life, like there's no issue with it. I don't have to worry about anybody's feelings getting in the way. Um, We were talking about that and he's like, well, that kind of speaks to you having a very traditional view of relationships to think that being in a relationship means that you can't have these things, you know? Um, mm. So, and, and it was something I hadn't really thought about. I think it, it was, you know, cause I, I said before, I never labeled myself as being kinky or being perverted or having like, you know, especially uh, fetish, fetishized uh, interests or anything. So it never made sense to me to kind of define this as, you know, like something of importance to find in a partner or to find in a relationship. So it seems like we have a lot of shared interests and experiences. Now that you're in this relationship, I mean, and even before that, was that something that that you felt was important? Like if I'm going to be in a relationship with somebody, that it's very important that this person share um, the kinks and, and more alternative interests that you have? Or the relationship is kind of this space where you you are different sexually. Do you know what I mean? Am I being- Yeah, no, I know what
1: you mean. I think it's it's a really good question. Um, So since I've been, ever since I've been sexual, like ever since I sort of started being sexual with other people, um, I think I've always had this um, understanding that my sex drive is quite high and that sex is incredibly important to me. Um, when I was like in my first ever relationship, like my first ever boyfriend, um, I had sex with him. And pretty much as soon as we'd had sex, um, I then started basically seeing sex as pretty much the only reason we were hanging out. Because <laughs> we didn't have that much to talk about. We, <laughs> we didn't have that much in common. and We were quite young. Um, and so I'd go around to his house after school. <clears throat> like, let's say, I'd get there about five o'clock and I'd have my curfew was at nine PM. So I'd be looking at my watch going, Well, how many times can we fuck between now and the time I have to leave to get home for nine PM? Um so I think I always had this idea that like sex was really important to me and my poor first boyfriend would occasionally just be like, I think it's time for us to stop fucking now because my dick doesn't work. <laughs> um so um I've always kind of had that idea but then I had a pretty significant like formative relationship um with a guy that I met. Uh, sort of university early 20s and we were together for a long time and he was filth like just really beautifully pervy um would always come up with these like interesting suggestions of stuff he'd read on web forums Mm. or seen in porn or like oh I've heard about this thing do you want to try it um and likewise I would come to him with my ideas and go I was having a wank about this idea lately do you fancy having a go um so I think Thanks to him, I kind of knew that not only was it possible to find someone who who sort of matched me in terms of, you know, kinks and um, and sexual tastes, but it also sort of gave me a chance to explore some of those edges and decide, you know, what actually actually what do I enjoy and what don't I enjoy? Yeah. Um, so now, I mean, I I say a lot like my current partner and i um i think i think we've done really well at coming from very different places because he he was a bit less sexually experienced than me when we got together and some of the things that i brought into our relationship quite early um surprised him like the first time we had sex it was very gentle and very much like love making yeah. and i was a little bit um, surprised and and bored by that because I, <laughs> I really fancied him and I really wanted him to just like go for it and just yeah. you know just really get stuck in and fuck me <laughs> um and so we had a conversation about it like on our sort of third or fourth date or something and I said look you know I'm not that I, I don't really get turned on by that kind of stuff I'm also not particularly up for a relationship I think he was looking for more of a relationship and I was like I just really like, you know, really dirty, aggressive sex. And he went, he turned around and went, oh, so you want me to fuck you like the women in the porn I like? And I was like, yes, fuck me like the women in the porn you like. Uh, And so then he took me home and like aggressively throat fucked me. And we did some like, I can't remember every detail of it, but basically, you know, much more brutal, much more like, you know, him being really dominant and calling me a day bitch and all the stuff that I really love. Yeah. Um, so we kind of came from really different places, but I think we both naturally have similar sex drives and similar kinks and similar, um, yeah, kind of ways that we like to explore and ways we like to go about it. So, um, yeah, I think I'm lucky in that we are a reasonably good match.
0: So that, you know, after you had that conversation and he he had throat fucked you, was that something like he was maybe hoping to get to at some point or that like he hadn't ever fucked an actual real life partner that way like what was your have you talked about that was that
1: oh yeah so he <laughs> uh, he um uh i don't know if i'm giving away too much no i think it's probably fine sometimes i'm worried i'm giving away too much about him but he so basically yeah he he said has said to me frequently that he just didn't realize sex like that was an option ah, yeah. um and I think probably because it hadn't been an option in his other relationships, you know, particularly in early relationship, like my first relationship, I didn't get super into like loads of really kinky stuff because I was just too excited about sucking dick. That was the most exciting yeah. thing for me. Um, so I think he he hadn't really he hadn't really understood that was an option, and also I think he'd never really been taught how to ask for that sort of stuff. Right. Um, and one of the things that I think both of us have got better at as we've sort of grown closer and understand each other more is working out not just how to ask the other person for what we want but how to make space for the other person to be open about their fantasies yeah so like we will talk about sexual fantasies um you know fantasies that involve like more people for instance where we kind of want to explore the boundaries of You know, how comfortable we are with non-monogamy or introducing new people into, you know, into our sex life and all that kind of stuff. We will often explore that through fantasies, and usually it's the person who's most nervous. Usually me because I get really jealous about sharing him (laughs) with other ladies. Um, But I will then I will sometimes if I'm in the mood say, okay I'm interested in this. What about this scenario? What do you think about this? And just let him give him that space to kind of talk it through and explore Mm -hmm. where I think previously he would have just been too nervous about upsetting me to just, you know, launch straight in with a fantasy about, oh, okay well, there's one girl on my face and one girl on my cock. And then two of them wanking in the corner of the room or, you know, whatever it might be.
0: So when you have those conversations, are those conversations you're having like in kind of a sexual space or they're, you know, like you wake up in the morning and over coffee, like you're just kind of talking through these things or is it a mixture?
1: Uh, <laughs> it's usually in a sexual space. It's, it's usually as either as something we're doing a, a kind of, as you know, as a kind of foreplay, basically, like we might be watching porn and we'll talk about that or like I will introduce that conversation as a way to say I'm horny banging right? please. <laughs> um so yeah it's usually it's in it's in like a horny situation sometimes it's like while we're fucking I think there's something really nice about uh sometimes just having like a really uh, quite slow lazy fuck but where you're talking about lots of different things so you're kind of the the fuck isn't really the goal it's just a nice thing to do while you talk and explore through all these different ideas and and fantasies you've got
0: (laughs) I share that interest so (laughs) So I did want to talk a little bit more. So I, um, it's funny because I, I kind of had led with this with the topics I wanted to discuss with you when I wrote you, but then I haven't brought it up really yet. So, I mean, we we see th- there's just so much overlap in what you've described as your experience <laughs> and interests, And as with me, I mean the whole switch thing and and the way you were describing when you first had sex with that boyfriend and being like, well, I have four hours. Like how many, how many times can we fuck in that time? I was the (laughs) same exact way. I remember I had sex for the first time, like literally two days or so after I had turned 13 and I felt like I was waiting for years. And that guy (laughs) was like, okay, well, you know, we have time now after school or there's some like hour thing here and there. Like it needs to be spent having sex. But um, anyway, what I was getting at, So, you know, we did talk about this briefly, this idea of, you know, especially with women, when you present openly in this way of being highly sexual, interested in or whatever, there's this automatic um, thing that people interpret that as, okay, well, that must be sexual addiction. So have you have you known any people that identify as being a sex addict? What are your thoughts about sexual addiction? And have you had people say that to you?
1: I definitely had people say that to me. Um, I've had people, yeah, I've had people tell me that I am a sex addict. Uh, they've used words like, or like I've had words like nympho yeah. or, yeah. Um, I don't think I've known, I, I haven't known anyone who would identify as a sex addict, I don't think. Um, my thoughts on this, basically, I think the word addiction is thrown around a lot lately. Um, and often when it's thrown around in relation to porn and sex. Um, I'm always really, really wary of labeling um, sexual things addictions. Um, partly because it's, it's not the same as a chemical addiction. You know, there's there's a, there's a fundamental and important difference between, you know, being chemically addicted to something like nicotine or heroin, um, and enjoying sex or wanting to have a lot of sex and wanting to masturbate a lot. Um, I think there's often, um, a moral or monetary reason why people want to talk up sex addiction and porn addiction. So for instance, when, if you read an article about porn addiction, that's saying something like, you know, porn addiction is causing all of these problems in men, it's it's making them depressed or it's giving them erectile dysfunction or, or what have you. Uh, usually following that source to the end, you'll find that the person who's giving that message is either making quite a lot of money out of running porn addiction classes or, you know, selling people the solution to overcoming their porn addiction, or they have some like quite um a strong like moral imperative to stop people watching porn so either they're you know a religious group or part of a religious group or they are part of a very anti-porn uh feminist uh group um i am a feminist but um i am a i wouldn't say i'm a pro-porn feminist i'm a porn neutral feminist like some (laughs) porn is amazing some porn is bad and exploitative um but there is loads of great porn out there um so i'm i'm really wary of things like porn addiction and sex addiction and I guess there's a personal, there's a slight personal issue here in that, you know, people have told me I'm a sex addict. And my response to that would be like, sex is not in any way causing harm in my life. Right. Like, I am not having sex so often that I forget to eat dinner <laughs> or, you know, so frequently that I cause myself injury. You know, I'm not harming any of the people around me by the sex that I'm having and, and I would say the same, you know, to people who think they're addicted to porn or masturbation is like, well, is it actually having any negative impact on your life? Right. If you're wanking five times a day and still managing to, you know, go to work, get on with your friends and family, like enjoy all the other things in your life that you enjoy. Why should someone come along and tell you that five times a day is too much to wank? You know, if you're wanking once a day. And it's absolutely destroying your life and it's making you really miserable. And there's a lot of, you know, feelings of residual guilt associated with it. Then by all means, go and, you know, talk to someone about it if that's what you feel you need. But I'm so wary of the the idea that, you know, just by enjoying sex and porn and masturbation, somehow you're an addict. Yeah. Because you know they're nice things <laughs> like I enjoy cake <laughs> Like <laughs> cake's a nice thing as well <laughs> and we don't see we don't have oh I guess we do have some moral things around food but like it, because sex is so often like tied to this um the the this idea that we should feel guilty for enjoying it at all in the first place yeah um I, I I'm always really wary of yeah people labeling it addiction um yeah
0: <laughs> no, the same having <laughs> said
1: that if I, if I couldn't have sex i'd be really gutted so yeah the, the, <laughs> if that's same... the definition of addiction then maybe but
0: yeah i mean no but i i agree to how you described it like if it's not it's not harming anything i mean because actually i'm i'm in recovery for uh drugs and alcohol so i've been sober for nearly seven years and so like i understand addiction uh in a bodily and psychological way and and in the program of recovery i'm in we describe it as um an allergy of the body and an obsession of the mind. Um, and, and oh,
1: that's really interesting. I've never heard that phrase before.
0: Yeah, because I mean there, there's both a physical and a psychological component to it where it's like once you get whatever that that drug or that, that chemical is in your body, that triggers something where like you cannot do anything else until you get more of it. And so I, and I, I, I can understand because I've gone through that in regards to these specific substances how that might correlate to sex, you know, like that that dopamine release, you know, like that could be something that, you know, once you get one hit of it, like you have to then spend the next, I don't know, 24 hours or however long, just like fucking your brains out and constantly finding new partners or new experiences to satisfy that obsession and that uh, physical trigger. So mm. I, I don't identify as having that sexually, but I mean, I, I'm just to contextualize you know addiction i think you you described it perfectly because the the issue with that like that inevitably that kind of response like that level of extremity like it inevitably results in you know you'd lose your job because you can't manage to get up on time because you've spent the whole night like fucking strangers or something or or even fucking your long-term mm. partner or you know you put yourself in such dangerous positions uh, pursuing it you know, that you get harm in that way, or you totally alienate anybody close to you in your life. Like these are all the things that happen with, with more standard addictions. And I Hmm. can absolutely see coming from, from sexual addiction. So it's funny too, because a lot of, uh, the, uh, the accusation of that label—it's—it's it's often thrown about to me by people that are friends with me in the recovery space, which is like you understand addiction, like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it just—it—it it bothers me so much that they—they they jump to that. But I mean, I, I think in that case, it's mostly you know like generational things and and gender based for sure. But um, yeah, I'm I'm struggling to find people who really do identify as sex addicts, so I can really sit down and kind of discuss the the distinction between the differences and how they approach and react to it versus, you know, how I feel I do, even with an extremely high sex drive. Um, but, you know, I don't, it's, I haven't had anybody, <laughs> if you find yeah, anybody it's... and you want to pass them along to me, I, I would ask you to do oh. that because I, yeah, I don't want to yeah,
1: I'm good it. Yeah. if I, if I, yeah, if I, if I meet anyone who would, who would self-identify as a sex addict, I will ask them to get in touch because I think, I think there is, I mean, I, I would never, you know, I would never want to say to someone, you know, you either are this or you aren't this, you know, that's up to them to, you know, explore. And I, when people tell me, you know, I am an addict, if someone said to me, I am a sex addict, I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I believe you. And I like, it's hard for me to understand, but I get it. I think one of one of the things that um, makes me most nervous about the sort of discussion we're having about sex and porn addiction now is that I think it can often be um, where people are just labelling others with addiction and saying well you're you know you're like this this is bad this is a problem we often overlook some of the other potential issues that might be going on and and with porn and masturbation addiction one of my current like most frustrating bugbears is articles that talk about porn addiction as a cause of erectile dysfunction, and mm. you know, loads more men are having suffering from erectile dysfunction because they're watching more internet porn. Right. Now, my response to that would be: firstly, um, erectile dysfunction is massively underreported, and nowadays we have more things that people can do if they have erectile dif- dysfunction. So, you know, they can have access to um, drugs like Vi- Viagra, etc., etc. So potentially there's more people just coming out of the woodwork and saying, I have this yeah. than were in the past. Um, and the other thing is that the the men who were um, the sort of first generation to have porn available on the Internet. So men of like my partner's age, sort of early to mid 30s, they're now growing up to become roughly the age when you can start getting erectile dysfunction just as a matter of course or as a result of like other Uh, other medical problems. So, you know, diabetes can sometimes cause problems with erectile dysfunction. You know, you might have, there are lots of different um, physical conditions that can interact with it. And so all the while people are saying, oh, well, internet porn is causing ED. There are loads of men with ED who aren't actually going to their doctors to go and get it looked at because there might be a bigger problem. And so it's that like often sex and porn is the scapegoat for stuff and they can make us blind to some actual problems that are sort of sitting underneath um and when we sort of focus on sex as the main problem we can't really see the wood for the trees all the time
0: yeah yeah i mean it, it's such a psychological thing and i think you know it really speaks to the shame people have of well nobody's talking about it openly and you know it's just another aspect of like exposure you know because they, they, i hear that from guys too i mean like you know as much as they feel like they need to be performing or have an interest at a certain level it's like to admit that there's something else going on, you know, that's resulting in, in an actual physical symptom, you know, it's like that certainly isn't going to be something brought up in casual conversation. And then, so they, I, I, they self stigmatize, I think, you know, um, mm. it's unfortunate. Um, I, I did have one more question for you. And then I, I did want to know like if you have any new projects coming out, but um, so I'm just curious because we're both so open with our own sexual um, identity and, and awareness. Like, uh, so you are completely anonymous in your identity, but even in your books, which I was a little surprised about. So, like everywhere that your presence is, and all of the work that you're doing that that explores sex, um, it's all very consistently girl on the net with no, no imagery, no allusion to what your names are and anything. So, well, can you? just i mean describe the reasons behind that and do you ever foresee being in a place like if you yeah. never needed to do any other work except this kind of work do you, would you ever be in a place where you considered breaking that anonymity
1: yeah so um ah, this is a good question um it's one that's always sort of hung over me since i started the blog Um, So I've actually become gradually less anonymous as time goes on. Um, When I started the blog, I was incredibly protective of my anonymity, um, and I would never have any... um, like i would never appear in public as as girl on the net or i would never go to events as girl on the net i do now relax that a bit so there's a a writers conference a uk erotic writers conference coming up in a couple of weeks called eroticon which i love and it's been really helpful to me in kind of building my blog and, and improving my work so i go and speak there every year um but they have a they basically have a policy that, you know, if you are anonymous, you wear a different colour lanyard and and so no one takes pictures of you. So I am still not very keen on having my face out there. Um, Initially, the reason for that is because I had a day job. So really boring reason. Um, I worked for a company where um, they insisted that all their staff basically followed a code of conduct that would have you know precluded me from writing a sex blog and so I just thought well fuck it I want to write a sex blog anyway so I'll just do it anonymously so that was the initial reason and then as time went on I sort of considered particularly around publication of my books I thought oh well maybe now's the time for me to just say here's who I am and here's my real name but the problem is in the interim I have been I had a lot of messages from <laughs> men on the internet yes um and men on the internet are often lovely mostly wonderful and kind and sweet and just get in touch to say they like my work but some of them really are genuinely frightening um I've had people um threaten me with some quite horrific stuff um the ones I find most frightening are the ones who contact me with um quite involved uh, aggressive plans for how they're going to basically violate me right. um under the assumption that I will love it because of the stuff I write on my blog um and basically the people who scare me most are the ones who do not understand the difference between fantasy and reality the ones who don't realize that because I consent to doing some of this hot pervy stuff with men I know um I that doesn't necessarily mean I will consent to a man I don't know doing it without my permission um so that's kind of one of the biggest reasons why I'm still anonymous is I just have that fear basically um And then the final reason, I'll sandwich it back with a boring (laughs) reason I don't leave it on just the most horrible note. But the final reason, again, is boring. Um, I have written on my blog and in my books about quite a lot of men um, that I've known, and women as well, actually, that I have known and fucked over the years. Some of them are so anonymized that no one would ever guess who they who they were and so I I figured I probably didn't need their permission to write what I've written because no one could guess who they were other people for instance my ex-partner who I was with for a really long time I've written a huge number of stories about him on the blog all of that is done with his permission and with his blessing and with his consent but at the same time he has requested that I try not to make him public right. and so if I now well, you know, the freedom that anonymity gave me was to write all of those stories. And I feel like I do now have a responsibility to at least try, you know, not to drag him suddenly into this world that, you know, he, he would rather not <laughs> be a part of, be a named part of. Um, so just kind of out of respect for some of my previous partners, basically, who've been really kind to let me write what I write. Um, the ones who are identifiable have all been asked permission. And so I sort of feel like it would be a bit... I'd, I'd want to check in with all of them <laughs> or as many of them as possible. So before when, I sort of when you say that they're display.
0: identifiable, though, do you mean that they gave you permission to use their name or like uh, enough details about their life or livelihood that somebody would be able to recognise them? Like, identifiable uh, how?
1: Yeah, so, so my... I mean, they would be identifiable to... Uh, most people who you know knew me or had been my acquaintance over the years so some would be like work colleagues yeah um some would be um people who were in certain friendship groups um and it's less about you know knowing that x particular person fucked me and more about knowing x particular person says this when he's horny uh, <laughs> likes having this type of sex toy in his ass or Here's how he likes his blowjobs. Here's the way he used to grip my hair when he came. Like, it's all that kind of really personal stuff. Yeah. Um. And with my ex, like, I was with my ex for a, a number of years. And so it would just be really obvious to anybody who knew him <laughs> that, oh, that girl he used to go out with, she, uh, I hear she writes about Dick now. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
0: You're making me question some of my own choices because, I, yeah, I mean, I, um like, I didn't, I didn't start my site with the intention I was going to be, you know, working on on a project that was just solely about sex. Um, but I did, you know, start writing about sex as equally as I was writing about anything else. And just because I started the site, and I was using my own name, I had quit my job. So I didn't have that shackle. But I did previously work for a place with with, you know, I had assigned something I had every year I had to review and and um, renew my claim that, you know, there was nothing going on outside of the job that would come into any conflict with anything that I was doing. Um, so because I didn't have any of those barriers, I was just, you know, I mean, I didn't refer to anybody by name, but the uh, I wrote a dick review and that did, uh, there was uh, some fallout from that. Um, Ouch. <laughs> but uh, to me, it's, I, I don't know, I, I have mixed feelings about it. I mean, I'm certainly not um, happy about the fallout that came from that. But, um, you know, it's another thing. It's like, well, you knew going into it that I was writing about these sort of things. I don't hide it from anybody. And in fact, anybody that I meet now, especially with the podcast being so specifically about sex and like exploring these more alternative things. Um, I, I, you know, I just make it kind of a filtration system. It's like, well, this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm participating in. And I do it very openly and with, Near complete transparency, so even people that I'm meeting in real life, and and you know there being a possibility of us having sex, they're doing it with the full knowledge and awareness that I will on a weekly basis be reviewing how I got off that week, and if I slept with you, I will be talking about it, and probably with some degree of judgment. Um, You know, so I mean, on the one hand, I'm, I'm feel empowered by that, but on the other, like I'm I'm envious that you've You've set yourself up for a position where, like you, you are so um, consistently being respectful of of people's anonymity. Um, and,
1: oh well, yeah. I mean, don't don't get me wrong though. I am not by any means perfect. I think I think with something like this, this is actually something I've talked about a lot of, like to a lot of other erotic writers. Usually, when we go to Eroticon, one of this is one of the key topics in the pub afterwards when we're all drinking, yeah, um, because we all have such different rules around. You know what we do want to disclose and what we don't, and you know I know people who um don't tell any of their lovers or any of the people they're sleeping with that they blog about it, mm. but they keep anonymity or they you know change details i mean basically, I think it's one of those things where everybody's going to have their own way of of doing it and their own way of dealing it with it um and even as you've got you know everybody's got their approach and it can change and fluctuate so much over the years as well like What I think I would be comfortable with now is probably not the same as what I was comfortable writing back when I started. Um, And and if it came to me, you know, if I slept with someone else and it turned out later down the line that they had a sex blog and they'd written about me. um, My personal view would be that is absolutely their story to tell. And I wouldn't want to take away from anybody else. Their you know their their right to tell the story about what happened with me, you know, I'd hope they'd be nice. I'd hope I would have <laughs> behaved I hope I would have behaved well enough that, that they would say nice things right. um, but yeah, I think I mean it's i am absolutely not telling anyone else how they should or shouldn't do it um because I think I think even just going out there with your real name is something that you know I can't do at the moment and I'm not doing at the moment, and so that in and of itself is something that's adding something incredibly valuable to that conversation. Because I think this conversation becomes so much um, less uh, helpful if all of the people talking about it are anonymous. Right. So I'm really grateful to, you know, to, to everybody who isn't anonymous for being able to do that and, and put their stuff out there. And, yeah, like I say, I mean, maybe, I I never say never, so maybe one day <laughs> either someone will find out who I am and publish it, in which case everyone will be so disappointed. <laughs> um, <laughs> Or you know, I'll I'll have there'll be some reason why I'll have to to go public and say, oh yeah, it's me. Here's so, a picture of my face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so does your mother know? I mean, I did see on your site you you were kind of like, oh, mama, none of these things are really true. But I mean, <laughs> does she does is she aware of who you are and what what you have on the internet?
1: She is, yeah. Okay, She's, my mum's amazing, <laughs> and when um she she sort of knew that I was blogging, and when I got my first, when I when I'd written my first book, and um my first book was going to get published. I told her about it and she was like, she was like, I'm so proud and I yeah. want to ask everything about it and I want to know. And I want to go and read just like, but because you, because I basically said, please don't read it because I just think you won't want to hear this about your daughter. And so she has never read it. She's got a copy, you know, she's got copies of my books, but she's never read them. She just wants to keep up, you know, she wants me to keep her updated on, you know, how things are going. Right. Um, but she respects the fact that I want to have this space to sort of talk about this stuff where I don't have to worry that, you know, she's going to hear some things about her son-in-law that, that shock her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's great. So what else do you have going on? Do you have any more books coming out
1: or, or like new projects? So at the moment, the main project I'm working on is the audio porn. Yeah. Um, just trying to get as much content as possible sort of turned into audio. I'm also working on behind the scenes. I'm doing a few more stories like fiction type stories that I hope to release as audio and possibly as a collection of short stories. Um, Some of which are stories written from a guy's perspective. So at some point I'm going to have to go on a hunt for like a sexy voiced guy to come and (laughs) record some of those for me. Um, So that's basically what I'm doing at the moment. And then obviously, you know, doing a lot of blogging. I've got some amazing guest blogs coming up I do guest blogs once a week great. and I've currently got guest blogs planned up until the middle of May and there are some amazing other bloggers or just anonymous people who've got fantastic stories about like kinks and fetishes and their relationships and the way they fuck so I've got loads of those coming up lately uh lately soon Excellent. <laughs> and I'm really excited about them
0: great and I'm gonna link to all the things that we talked about all the um if you could well is your patreon link is it on your site can I find it or
1: it is, but I can send you an email if you like with all the links.
0: Yeah, yeah that would be great, and I'll I'll link to yeah. all of that and um, yeah, the books and everything. I I think what you're doing is great, and I'd like to help you promote it anyway. I can't, even though my audience is is minuscule in comparison to yours, but hopefully that will change someday.
1: <laughs> well, and thank you so much for for chatting to me. I'll, like, yeah, send me the links to this when it's up, and I'll you know share it everywhere and hopefully get, get you lots of new listeners
0: that would be great I, um, I really enjoyed talking with you is there anything else you wanted to just touch on before we say goodbye or
1: uh, I don't think so no I've had real fun this has been a great chat and yeah it sounds like you're doing some really fantastic stuff so nice. I look forward to hearing more of it
0: great likewise okay <laughs> cool. well thank you so much girl on the net good luck with everything
1: cheers you too thank bye you.
0: bye thanks for listening to this episode of sex communication did you like it I hope so. If you did, please subscribe. If you'd like to know more about this episode or how you can be a part of the podcast, visit graphicpaint.com slash sexpodcast for details. You'll also find additional episodes, background on this project, contact information, and tips for submitting your own audio files. I'm looking for more people to interview, homemade recordings of sexual activity, and audio production assistance. If any of this interests you, please reach out. It's my goal with this podcast to bring some filth to your ears, change the conversations around sex, change some perspectives, and maybe even change the world. I hope you'll join me. Sex!